I'm on the line with us now is a Republican candidate for Lieutenant Governor. He is Scott Milder. Scott Milder, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Jay. Thanks for having me. Uh, where are you calling us from? I am calling from Dallas, Texas today. Okay. How's the weather? Mm-hmm. You know, it's windy and it's holding steady, but uh, rain is coming. Okay. Well, I wish rain would come up here. Can you make? Can that be your first promise? If you're elected, it'll rain more often here. <laughs> you know what? Uh, if that'll turn out some votes, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and throw that out there. Why not? Okay. Well, I've yeah. I've heard flimsier yeah. campaign promises. Uh, so, <laughs> Scott, take just a second and tell folks about your background and sure. uh, yeah, tell us about your background. We'll go from there. Sure. Well, I grew up in Austin, Texas. I uh, have two, uh, two degrees from the University of North Texas. I wasn't uh, wise enough to head out to, head out to Lubbock, uh, but, uh, but, but my kids may, uh, may give that some consideration. Um, and uh, I was a public information officer for two different, uh, two different school districts. I have a journalism and uh, I have a degree in journalism and a degree in public relations, and I've been a uh, partner in an architectural firm for the last 20 years where well, uh, I've spent a lot of time working with uh, very diverse uh, diverse personalities uh, in diverse ge- geographies, uh, helping people uh, work uh, through complex problems and find common ground, uh, 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 real solutions to those difficult challenges that they face. Okay, so you decide you're yep. going to run for lieutenant governor. How did you come to that decision? And when, well, when did you come to that decision, and why? Right. Well, it wasn't a decision I took lightly. Obviously, it's a huge decision, and it's a huge job and responsibility. And uh, I guess the short story is I, I've, I've been involved with ben, in many, many conversations through the 2017 legislative season, um, and not a one of them, not a one of those conversations did, did I have with anyone who was pleased with the direction that our lieutenant governor uh, led the Senate. Uh, they were, everybody I've spoken to all across Texas in my travels are frustrated with uh, with our lieutenant governor's uh, political priorities and uh, how out of sync they are with uh, with our Texas values. And uh, so after so after good long consideration and talking to many many people, um, uh, I decided to throw my name in the hat and uh, give Texans a choice on the ballot. Okay. So early voting starts tomorrow. Tell us about what your what is campaigning been like. I mean, how many miles do you think you've logged? Yeah. Uh, I've logged thousands and thousands of miles. Uh, but you know, it, campaigning is it's actually. Uh, I have to say, it was intimidating when I got started because it's just it's such a large state and such a big job. Uh, but every like I said, everywhere I've been, I've I've been received really well. People are excited. Uh, by the prospects of having somebody to somebody other than our current lieutenant governor on the ballot, and uh, just many many Texans just want to see see our state senate get get back to the business of, of running the state of Texas, and uh, it's just been it's been exhilarating and exhausting uh, over the last few months. Tell me, give us the elevator pitch. Um, what are your top three priorities, Scott Milder? Well, my top three priorities, uh, first of all, the overall one is, uh, is like I just said, to get the Texas Senate back to business and focused on, on, on our most pressing priorities, which in my mind, uh, property tax relief in the form of real property tax reform and proper state funding of public education, uh, their, uh, their unwillingness to properly fund public education from the state level 
um, has caused a lot of this property tax crisis mess that we're in. And so those two things go hand in hand. I don't know if that's one or two priorities, but, but funding public education and providing real property tax relief are, 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 are two for sure. Um, and then, uh, and then a, a third one is, is our state needs to be focused much more intently on making sure that we have all the infrastructure in place in, in rural Texas and West Texas and the big cities and, you know, in the suburban areas, uh, to make sure we can accommodate the, uh, the massive population and massive growth uh, that's anticipated here over the next 30 years. And uh, the state's not focused a lot of attention on infrastructure. And then and then this doesn't affect West Texas so much, but uh, even even most recently for economic development purposes, we have businesses who are uh, thinking twice about uh, moving in moving in along the Gulf Coast area because we don't have enough flood control measures in place. And so so that's certainly uh, that's certainly something that needs to be looked at as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot there. Uh, I want to come back to a couple of things, but yeah. give me an idea of where you are on government regulations, Scott. Uh, what are some things that you would try to roll back as lieutenant right. governor? Oh boy, I tell you what, I I, uh, I feel like the fewer government regulations out there, the better. I think I think the state's job should be small, not large. It shouldn't loom over business and local communities' abilities to conduct conduct their business and make their decisions locally in the best interest of their communities. Um, uh, one of the things that's come up a lot over the last uh, uh, really six, eight, twelve months or so is uh, is is squeezing um, local uh, communities' ability to raise revenue, um, imposing more more strict uh, revenue caps. And uh, I don't believe that's the I don't believe that's the state's decision to make. Our voters are smart. Your voters. Out of West Texas are smart. They elect smart people uh, to handle the people's business. And uh, you know, if they go wrong and make make some decisions that are out of sync with uh, with the voters, and the voters have the opportunity to elect new leadership. And so, it's not the state's place to do that. It's uh, it, it's all on local communities. The state's job is uh, is is to provide infrastructure and education and and other 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 vital services. Uh, but, but it's not it's not to regulate our local communities or 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 uh, or, or overregulate our, our business community. That's Scott Milder, who is a candidate, a Republican candidate for lieutenant governor, right here on other side of Texas. People will disagree with you there, Scott, and say, no, that's absolutely the state's right. The state's right is to put in place measures on cities and counties and property tax caps, uh, appraisal yeah. caps are one of those measures that the state can handle from Austin. Um, you're, are, am I hearing you say it's the state's not able to do it or the state shouldn't do it? No, the state's able. No, no, the state, state's certainly able to do it. I don't think the state should do it. Okay. Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't need to strangle our local community's ability to govern their local communities. Um, and, and there's all kinds of negative effects to um, uh, uh, forcing, uh, forcing a cap on local revenue. Uh, uh, just, just one of many is uh, it, hurt, it hurts bond rating. Uh, you know, bond ratings suffer if, uh, if local communities, municipalities, uh, and such can't can't uh, are restricted from raising revenue. Then bond then the bond rates suffer. And so, there's many reasons. You know, ebbs and flows, and in, in communities that are highly dependent on oil and gas, they have they have they have highs and lows. And and if the state says you can only have a two per two and a half percent swing. 
um, then uh, they're not going to be able to, you know, they'll never know from one year to the next well, uh, whether you know, or not they can fund their, fund their local budget. Scott, one thing I took exception to was I think that the argument's fair enough uh, to let locals vote. Okay. Uh, let them have a free and fair election. But, Scott, I'm looking at I'm looking at what folks in outside and awesome base interests are jumping into all these races, uh, yeah. pouring money and mailers into all these races up here. I mean, I, we just got done with the segment talking about Ken King in Canadian, Four Price in Amarillo, Seliger in the Panhandle and down into the basin on the Senate side. Um, my problem there, Scott, was that these same people saying, oh, let the locals vote, let them have a free and fair election... Uh, they wouldn't say a word if these outside interests j- got into those uh, elections and sent in mailers. Uh, they wouldn't say a word about it. I mean, shouldn't they at least mm-hmm. sign a pledge that, okay, we're going to go for Senate Bill 2 again, but this time we're going to take a pledge that that the people, many of whom receive campaign funds from these same people, uh, will speak up against those interests. You know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I've learned on this campaign trail, and I suspected for a long time, was that there was some pretty underhanded activity going on in our uh, uh, in our in our political community. And uh, the further along this this campaign trail I've gone, the more of uh, that ugly underbelly I have seen. There is an there's a choreographed, orchestrated effort uh, by a very small group of of Texans to acquire complete control over our state government and uh, a lot of these races you're seeing um, uh, a lot of these races you're seeing where uh, where rational uh, re- particularly rational Republican Texans are being challenged those those candidates are being funded and supported by this by this small but mighty and well-funded machine and isn't that it, I heard it, I heard it, yeah. just, let me interrupt for just a second I heard it a candidate the other day refer to this as an oligarchy, like this is Russian oligarchy buying yeah. seats and go- is Do you agree with that? Uh, you know, I, you know what I do. It, it, I mean, essentially, that's exactly what it is. It, I, uh, I live in Senate District Two, um, and my senator, uh, who I oppose, who I'm opposing, I'm, I'm going to vote for his challenger, is being challenged by who I, someone I call a rational Republican. Um, but uh, but the incumbent is supported by this machine that I'm talking about, and I get a I get a mailer from him every two or three days. A mailer. I had one on my doorstep today. I missed them. They came by, and knocked on the door. Uh, I get phone calls. There's radio. I mean, they're spending tons and tons of money to keep the incumbent uh, to protect that incumbent seat, and uh, it, it's just it, it it's a, it, it's just phenomenal to me. It's mind blowing how much money is being spent to retain seats and to win seats uh, against. Some 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 very very well respected Texas incumbents who maybe didn't vote uh, who maybe didn't vote to support uh, the bathroom bill or or what or, you know whatever else uh, whatever what happened other, to that uh, issue, issue Scott mm-hmm. like a year ago at this time all the mm-hmm. oxygen in the room was bathrooms but I've not heard that issue come up yet mm-hmm. in the primary what happened surprising right it's uh, well it's a lightning rod issue and the people who've been promoting that know. That it's a very emotionally divisive issue, and they're uh, they're just uh, you know kind of letting that letting that lie low so they can 
they can win re-election and win some more seats, and then they, they're going to come back and double down on that issue um, in uh, in the 2019 legislative no, session. But not talking yeah. about it in the primary. Scott Milder no, is no. Scott Milder is running for lieutenant governor uh, on the Republican ticket. Go back to a couple of things here. Uh, you said that you wanted to go your top priorities reforming property tax by uh, yeah. redoing public education funding. Uh, and then you mentioned infrastructure. Scott, where is this money going to come from? Is this new money? Is the state essentially going to have to raise taxes in order to get public school funding where it needs to go? And do you support doing that tax raise? Right. I, you know what? I don't. I don't. I don't think a tax. I don't think a tax increase is necessary for that. I think it's a matter of prioritization uh, for our. our uh, well, for all school districts. I mean, for all communities. Uh, school districts are absolutely the foundation of, of, of every community, yeah. uh, um, and, but, but especially especially in West Texas, rural Texas, deep East Texas, um, our, our public schools are, are 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 the community in many of those so, in many of those cities and towns. And so, so I, I believe we just have to reprioritize. Public education has just not been a priority under our current leadership, and I don't understand why because it is a very conservative, uh, traditionally Republican principle. It's a it's a constitutionally mandated. Uh, uh, responsibility of our state and anything that's constitutionally mandated uh, is generally a conservative-minded principle. So, so, uh, but so, which funds do you deprioritize? Mm-hmm. Which funds do you tap right. into? Which bank accounts at the state sure. level? Well, I think you, I, I think you got to look at. Look, I think you got to look at everything, and uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, uh, look at all the different buckets where all the different monies are going to, and 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 line them up. This one's most important. This one's the next most important. But to start with. Here's what I would do. All the money that is collected, uh, uh, that is paid for public school tax dollars, ought to be allocated back towards public ed dollars. And uh, currently the state is, uh, it, it's a significant revenue stream uh, for the state of Texas to fund other programs uh, to the tune of $2.8 billion just over this last year. And so well, I think one of the things we need to do is let's, uh, let's keep that $2.8 billion in our public school system. That'll That'll go, that, that's a really good start, two point eight billion. So, and then one other, yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, just a clarifier of that two point eight billion. How much of that's actually making it into public education? None of that two point eight billion. None of that is. That's uh, that's the that's the budget dust. <laughs> that's the school budget dust that doesn't make it back into public schools. A lot of the recapture money does make it back into public schools. You know, you, you we you know we collect the state collects money from property wealthy districts, and then it's supposed to reallocate that back out to the Property poor districts that can't can't raise enough funds on their own, but uh, but the state's been skimming. They've been skimming off the top and leaving it in the general fund to fund other programs. And uh, I say, you know, we look at those other programs and let them have the funding challenge, and let let our public schools have have the funding that is paid uh, that is paid by taxpayers for that purpose. Okay, so uh, you know, one other one other one other place where I'll find money is I, I I plan to go back and look at all the unfunded mandates that have been passed on to school districts. And, and local local cities and others uh, over the last 30 years and say, you know what, which ones of these actually have educational value? And all the ones that don't have value, we're going to repeal them, which will create a lot of wiggle room uh, within existing budget structure. Okay. Uh, one of my final questions, I'll probably think of another one, but uh, the <laughs> knock on you, Scott Mulder, is that mm-hmm. the architectural firm that you mentioned, uh, that uh-huh. you've worked to pass a lot of school bonds, and therefore sure. you're criticized as uh, driving the debt in local communities. What do you make of that claim, and well, 
what would you say to those who claim it? I'd say I'd say those who are claiming that are grasping at straws and are and are are seriously worried that that I might actually pull off a victory on March sixth. Uh, the reality is that the, the state set up a system for local communities to pass fully funded locally local tax dollar bonds to build schools and other facilities as those communities desire. It's it's a strictly local decision. And uh, most communities don't do that very often. Uh, you know, once you know, once in a once in a, a very long while, do they uh, do they go go for a bond election? They just don't know how to do it. And so, so I I fell into this profession where I I help local communities facilitate through the proper planning of a bond program, so they can identify appropriate facilities and resources to then go and ask voters whether or not it's okay to uh, uh, to to build, and uh, that's um, I mean, that's that's the system we have set up, and that's the only way uh, that's the only way our local communities can can build and maintain and renovate and add on to add on to our school buildings. Scott Mahler, it seems to me that if we continue down the track that we're on, uh, yes. if we continue down this road, we're going to have to start closing some schools to alleviate costs, um, and yeah. I think it's going to be rural schools that go first. Uh, and we'll move more to an Arkansas model where every school has to have X number of kids in it. Uh, that mm-hmm. would close a lot of rural communities. You, do you disagree with that assessment? You know, I don't disagree with that assessment, but I think it's a sad. It's sad that we have to have that assessment at all. Uh, there are many great communities that are small uh, in, in rural in West Texas. It, you know, there might be a thousand square miles with a hundred kids. So you're gonna you're going to close that school district and then ship them even further, you know, bus them even further over to the, to the nearest school district. Uh, you know, that's a, it's, one of the great, it's one of the great things about our state of Texas is that, that we have this system set up where every kid has an equal opportunity to attend a local district school and have pride in that school and, you know, community and town pride in that school. You know, and as the school goes, so goes the community. So if these schools close up, then so does the community. Early voting is yeah. about to kick off. Scott Milder, tell people where they can find out more about you. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, visit my website, Scott Milder, the number 4, com, or uh, visit me at the same uh, at the same same name at uh, on Facebook. You can find me there, at Scott Milder for TXLG. Okay, there he is. Any closing yes. thoughts there, Scott, before we let you go? Well, Jay, I just want to say thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me on the show, and I just want to I, I just want to say that uh, I I fully grasp uh, the necessity of our public schools and local control for our local communities, particularly in in, in rural Texas. Uh, our rural Texas and West Texas West, West Texas communities play play an absolute vital role in the overall health of our state, and uh, we need to honor and respect uh, uh, their, their their place in the in in the success of Texas. There he is, Scott Mulder. Thank you for making time there. Thanks, Jay. We're going to go to a break now here on the other side. And on the other side, we'll get in with the Scott Braddock, editor of the Quorum Report. Lots to get into with him. Braddock on Texas. Stick with us. Be back in a couple minutes right here. 